Marketing success comes from identifying the right opportunities. And sponsoring the Up Next in Commerce podcast might just be the best opportunity you'll hear about today. With tens of thousands of listeners, expert creative, production, and strategic promotion teams at the helm, not to mention millions of impressions at the ready, this is a growth opportunity you should not ignore. Email me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with the Up Next in Commerce team. In this sort of environment, any environment, we need to embrace change. But I would say overall, the digital e-com future is bright. There's capabilities that continue to just wow me. And the times today have kind of forced us to really think bigger and to embrace the change and to pivot and be flexible and agile and no idea is a bad idea. The e-commerce industry has historically been dominated by some familiar verticals, apparel, footwear, home goods. In 2020, though, the world of e-commerce exploded to include a few more at the top of the list, including grocery and fitness. One industry, though, hasn't necessarily emerged as a leader in the e-commerce zeitgeist, home security. But just because you don't always think about an industry as part of e-commerce doesn't mean that it isn't making waves among its digital peers. The perfect example of this is Ring. Ring was founded in 2013 as a company called Doorbot, which failed to get the investment of any Shark Tank sharks, yet persevered to become a leader in home security before being acquired by Amazon in 2018. Today, Ring is valued at more than $1 billion and, through its website sales, is bringing home security to customers everywhere. Robin Cho is the head of e-commerce at Ring, and on this episode of Up Next in Commerce, he explains how Ring has built a successful business through creating a community of neighbors and what it means to be driven by a shared goal. Plus, Robin touches on his past experience working in e-commerce overseas and what the differences are between the Asian market and what's happening stateside. Robin also details why he believes that companies that are able to foster a sense of community and safety are the ones that will rise above the fray in the business world. Enjoy this episode. Up Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. Respond quickly to changing customer needs with flexible e-commerce connected to marketing, sales, and service. Deliver intelligent commerce experiences your customers can trust across every channel. Together, we're ready for what's next in commerce. Learn more at salesforce.com slash commerce. Hi, everyone. It's Stephanie. Before we get into the episode, I would love it if you could hit subscribe and give the show a rating and review. I really want to know what you think and hear how we're doing. All right, on to the interview. Hey, everyone. This is the Up Next in Commerce podcast, and I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, co-founder at mission.org. Today, we're chatting with Robin Cho, the head of e-commerce at Ring. Robin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So I was looking through your background a bit, and I kind of wanted to start there because I saw that you had worked previously at Mattel for a while. And I think it's a good starting point to kind of go through your background in the world of e-commerce before um, coming back to Ring. Sure. Yeah, so I started in Mattel in 2008. Uh, my first role there was customer strategic planning. So everything around retail strategies and working close with retailers to try and drive share of voice, market share, and ultimately sales and brand uh, growth at the retailers. Uh, what was unique around my the, the, the starting point there was I had a kind of a hodgepodge of different channels and accounts. So everything from 
Kmart, believe it or not, back in the day, which was Whoa, a much bigger retailer back, back then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And also uh, working across what they call the emerging channels. And, and part of that emerging channel group, everything from grocery, department stores, drug channel, trying to grow our leadership share there. But Amazon was the one that really stood out to me just back then because it was still evolving. It was still smaller, but it was one that was growing substantially year over year and starting to catch the attention of our leadership. And obviously something that I was preaching about internally to make sure that we're aligning and, and prepping ourselves to, to grow with them. Uh, and uh, from there, after, uh, after about five years in the US, uh, I moved to uh, Hong Kong and I became the head of shopper marketing or customer marketing for the Asia Pacific region. So I did that for about two years and I was also kind of playing a hybrid role where I was the e-com excellence kind of best practice lead for the region, working closely with our regional accounts, our specific local accounts that were that are a lot, a lot bigger today, like the T-Mozzle world, mm-hmm. uh, Lazadas, which are growing and, and ultimately trying to drive greater e-commerce best practices across the, the region. From there, I pivoted to uh, a general manager role. So I've kind of had an unconventional career where I was asked to take on the country manager role for Korea. So everything from uh, leadership across all the various functions, supply chain, finance, uh, accounting to marketing and sales. And then my role expanded from Korea to North Asia. So I had Japan, Korea, Hong Kong, and Taiwan, which are all the best food markets. Yes. Uh, still residing in Korea. And uh, my role expanded to the, to the North Asia cluster, again, driving all the sales and marketing commercial activities and leadership there. And then uh, in 2018, I uh, decided to come back after being five years in Asia and uh, take on the role of head of e-commerce for Mattel, which was quite unique. It was a kind of newly formed role where they consolidated a lot of different functions under one leader. And uh, four different pillars that I would say we focused on. The first one was our direct-to-consumer site. So uh, think about Hot Wheels Collector and BarbieCollector.com and trying nice. to drive our, our, our sales and our engagement with them. And also uh, all websites across the world uh, was under sort of the first pillar. The second pillar was CRM acquisition, analytics, and design. So everything regarding kind of fueling the acquisition efforts, the engagement, and also the experiences on our, on our sites and also even our retailer sites, believe it or not. Our third one was uh, digital operations. So this is a team that really was sourcing kind of the best in class assets and copy and everything that really fuels a great merchandising experience on our own sites, but also on our third party retailer sites. So we were basically managing all the PDPs, the brand stores for our bigger retailers like Amazon and Target and Walmart and syndicating and deploying assets there. And then the last pillar was around digital customer marketing or digital shopper marketing, where we had a team that was specifically focused on growing our share of voice, our leadership share with Amazon.com, uh, Target.com, or Walmart.com. So we kind of had this full end-to-end scope of responsibilities where they were all connected. They were all in need of similar assets and strategies. And obviously, there was nuances between whether what we were doing internally and externally. But overall, it was a a challenging experience, but a great one because it was broad, but also we could see how things were lifting each other up as we were going through the process. And then uh, about a year ago, made the move to Ring. And really the objective behind that was to go deeper into just e-commerce in general. I think I had a pretty broad role at Mattel. And even in my previous experience, I worked a lot with digital retailers. But being able to just dive into a brand that I love and that I was able to use as well before I even came to the company just the mission around the brand of making neighborhoods safer. It was just one where everything just kind of made sense for me to go in. Um, it's pretty clear that I made this clear with my boss back then, but you know, I'm not the most technical savvy guy. I'm not the guy that's going to be doing your coding and development, but I'm a mm-hmm. guy that can come in and really drive some vision and strategy in terms of like, what are our immediate needs and how do we serve them? 
And at the same time, how do, I identify, how do we identify a vision for the mid to long term so that we can be ready and, and planful and execute against what we believe to be the evolving changes that will happen and we can embrace them and ultimately deliver upon them in terms of customer expectations. So uh, it's been quite a ride and uh, happy that I'm still here and uh, that you know, things are relatively going well. That's awesome. Yeah. So I have ring cameras around my house. Specifically, the one I love is the front camera with the floodlight on it because I will blast people if they walk by and I think they're any bit shady. But yeah, I I really like ring. And it seems like a very different transition though, going from Mattel to ring, especially when you were, you know, for a little bit there focused in Asia, which in a lot of ways, I think Asia is actually very ahead when it comes to, you know, e-commerce and social stuff and community building. Were there any best practices that you learned throughout that journey that you're maybe bringing to ring now? Sure. I think there is a ton to learn. Like you said, you had a variety of different business models out in Asia. For example, you had the direct model, which was kind of unique. It wasn't normal like it is here in the US with Amazon, for example, but it's one where it's more of a marketplace model where you're basically the manufacturer that's selling on a respective third-party platform. So whether it's Tmall, whether it's sites in uh, Rakuten in Japan or even in Korea where you have Coupang, you have such a, a dynamic and, and sort of a different approach as it relates to how to connect with a customer. So I would say some of the things that I was able to kind of carry over here is you're right, it's very digitally connected in, in most of Asia and they are well advanced in terms of just being able to uh, stay connected from a digital kind of platform perspective, but also like connecting with consumers in unique ways. So I feel like maybe what they've done in terms of like social commerce, for example, or uh, being able to find ways to navigate uh, supply chain uh, challenges or complexities. Like they, they're really, they've done a great job to kind of accelerate that. And I think they're, they've been ahead of the curve in terms of the U.S. for probably another, they're probably ahead by one or two years, but I think the U.S. has been catching up. Um, so I, I would say best practices back to your question. It's Basically, how do you connect with the consumer in a way that is relevant for what they're looking for? For example, like PDP pages in Asia are very long and extensive, mm-hmm. meaning you could scroll for like miles and that's what they're expecting there because they want to make sure that they know what they're buying, that it's quality, that it's a trusted brand. Here in the US, you know, it's not as long. Obviously, you do have some scrolls to get to the bottom of the page, but you're not looking for as much. You know, maybe ratings and reviews are more important here in the US. It's also important there, but they're also featuring is this the bestseller? Like what's the ranking on the SKU versus the category? So that's a good question. I think for me, it's, yeah, it's connecting with communities and also uh, just best practices in terms of merchandising and how they do it differently and how we can take some of those and deploy that here in the US. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I always think it's something good to watch because I mean, they're so, you know, they are much more mobile first, whereas a lot of people here, you know, sure. grew up on desktop and a lot of those people actually just leapfrog past de- desktop and have just been used to doing everything on mobile. And I know, especially around like the podcasting space, it's an area that we also keep an eye on because they have so many social functions um, that they're just used to that I'm like, why don't we have that here? So it's always good to keep an eye on what other markets are doing. For sure. So let's get back to Ring a little bit. So Ring's owned by Amazon now, right? That's correct. So I think that would be really good to kind of talk about how that relationship is working. And specifically around earlier, you mentioned leadership. I wanted to kind of touch on what that transition looked like from, you know, Ring being its own separate company to them being acquired. Like, I'm sure you had new teams that you were working with and you had to really distill like your mission and the shared values and everything that you had to, you know, influence with a new team or uh, company in general. So I want to kind of hear a little bit about how you led that or how you're leading it now. Sure. Yeah. I think the the beauty of, of Amazon and Ring is you're taking kind of the strengths of each company and you're 
marrying them together. You know, I've, I've worked for big companies like Mattel. I've also worked for small companies and startups as well. So I love the mashup between the two where you're able to be entrepreneurial, you're able to really be nimble and agile in kind of the small, small setting of, of what Ring you know, actually started off as, as a startup. And then taking the successes mm-hmm. of a startup and then marrying that up with this, this uh, successful company, Amazon, you know, the biggest e-commerce company, uh, at least in the U.S. and the world, uh, I would say at least yeah. a leader. And it's one where you're able to leverage the infrastructure, the resources, kind of the, the mechanisms and the processes that they've been able to deploy and, and they've been so successful with. So uh, that, that's something that I find to be uh, very interesting. Uh, I think with Ring, you know, we still are uh, led by our founder today. Uh, from He's our CEO and our chief inventor. And it's one where you know, he, he does drive a lot of the vision and strategy in terms of not only the mission and establishing that, but also everything around products and services. And, and that continues to grow as we speak. Uh, it's, in terms of team and leadership, I, I kind of apply the same model that I do in every circumstances that I've been in. If I, you know, just like I spoke on earlier, like I've moved to three countries in a matter of five years, and that's not that's easy crazy. with <laughs> a family of kids and being able to embrace change and, and being able to pivot and and establish yourselves among different cultures and teams and environments and business models is quite hard, even with language barriers as well. So I think coming into Ring, I applied a similar approach in terms of leadership. It's one where we have to pause as a team because a team could be in any sort of condition in terms of their history, whether they were without a leader in the past or they have gone through significant changes or they were acquired, whatever the case may be. What I typically do is I come in and I, I spend some time just parking time with the team and our leadership to say, hey, look, how do we get focused on what matters most? Like, well, the first thing I want to do is what's our, let's establish a shared mission. Like, why do we exist? What's our purpose? Like, why are we here? Why do we get up every morning? And as an e-commerce team at Ring, it's something that is really critical because we're moving so fast. You know, there's constant updates and changes and features and functions and migrations and transitions and new product launches, you name it. And it's one where, like, we got to slow down and establish, like, why are we here? Why do we exist? And I think that's even more important today, especially as we're navigating this pandemic. Uh, the second thing I also do is look at like, what's a shared vision look like? Like, where are we going? Where, where do we want to be three to five years from now? And also establishing values. So we typically pick like three values, whether it's trust, whether it's communication, whether it's collaboration. And that's really what we, we center on and we'll spend time and it doesn't take, you know, a one hour session. It takes multiple days and hours and dedication to really grind through and work through the rigor and discipline of saying, okay, this is why we exist. And this is how it ladders up to Ring's mission of making neighborhoods safer. And this is how it ladders up to Amazon's mission of being the Earth's most cons- customer-centric company. So that's really important. And I think because we did that, and we do have an e-commerce Ring-specific shared mission, uh, which is something that we identified and we you know, have kind of not just put on a wall, but it's really something that needs to live in our hearts. But I'll share that with you. Yeah, uh, it's, it's We exist. So our e-commerce group at Ring exists to communicate to our current and future neighbors how we provide products and services that protect what is important to them. We do this by building strong relationships with our partners to deliver the best digital experience, experiences for our neighbors. And we call our neighbors our customers because it's just that important. Mm-hmm. So that's really uh, something that I do. And I think what's been great is not only is it the shared mission and vision and values that you build upon and that you live by and you keep each other accountable to in terms of the way we behave and operate day to day, but it also helps to step back and say, what are our key priorities? Like what are those big rocks that we need to move in the mid to long term? What are those things that we need to do in the short term to address uh, the business needs and the evolving changes that are happening? So 
I would say that it starts with the team. It starts with having it aligned and a shared. It's not just my mission. It's a shared mission and vision and values. And then being able to build on processes like mechanisms, whether it's quarterly, weekly business reviews and roadmaps and align that across not only the internal team, but across the organization so that you can drive success and make sure that your communication, your execution is as consistent and aligned to all objectives, at least the key priorities um, that we deliver on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I've definitely seen and heard of um, quite a few experiences that are full of friction when companies are getting acquired and on both sides. So like how how do you work to garner trust from the employees who are getting it, you know, acquired where some people might not really want to go to a big corporation. They might, you know, want to stay at that startup vibe. And on the other side as well, like, what do you do to actually get them to be on the, you know, be on your side, be ready to like move forward with the mission? Because yeah, I could see some people being like, not really on board with it, not really like mm. caring about the vision, being like, oh, that's just all words. Like, you know, how do you get in the weeds with them to really get them uh, on the same page? Yeah, like, back to just leadership. I think it's really important that that we stay. And this is my philosophy as well. Is like it's servant leadership. It's also like compassionate leadership. So being empathetic, right? So there's people that have come from all backgrounds and different experiences. Whether they were at the company before it got acquired, whether they joined afterwards, even for those that we haven't even seen in person post COVID. Yeah. Um, it's one where like it's empathy. It's about caring for people and people are people at the end of the day, you know, they're not machines and they need to be cared for it. And they're not human doings they're human beings. So my philosophy and approach has always been around empathy and, and just trying to put myself in their shoes and understanding where, the, what are their goals? Are they, are they aligned to our goals? Like how do I listen to them in ways that can really make them feel that they're heard and that anything that may conflict or kind of go against the mission or the goals or values, like, you know, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, it, if it's something that you feel differently and you're not aligned to this, like maybe you don't belong here or maybe this is not the right place for you. But in general, I would say the majority of the team and I guess the team overall, like they are bought into the mission. I mean, we, we defined it together, which makes it powerful. And I think that's where uh, you kind of nip that butt up front um, yeah. and you're able to just journey with each other through the ups and downs and challenges, but ultimately the successes as well. Awesome. So I was looking through Ring's website before this. I didn't even realize how many products you guys had because like I was mentioning, I only have these two. And I wanted to hear a little bit about what does the customer journey look like on the Ring website and how has it evolved, especially over the past maybe like six months? Sure. I would say, uh, you know, the Ring website is quite unique where Ring is not just the doorbell. You know, Ring is a multitude of products that have continued to kind of expand to meet and deliver that mission. So if you look across our products, we have not only doorbells, we have security cameras, we have alarms, we have accessories to, that attach to these various devices. We also got into smart lighting. Uh, we have third-party partnerships. And I don't know if you recently heard about the announcement that we made, but we can, we're coming out with even new categories, whether it's uh, Always Home Cam, which is an autonomous drone that flies ar- across your, your, the, the inside of your house. And oh, you wow. can basically train it to go to certain parts of your house to w- check on whether your stove is on or your pet food has been eaten or any oh other gosh. areas where you may not have a camera set up. So I think it's, yeah. again, innovation and, and evolving to a customer need or pain point that, uh, that, that we're trying to deliver on. And also, okay, I need uh, one of those. Does it does it like stay flying or does it like go back to its little nest and then like get up when yeah, you want so it to? <laughs> it will. Yeah, it start. It stays in the nest and then based <laughs> on whether it's an alarm trigger or notification, it'll basically come out of the nest. You know, there's obviously a sound so that you can hear it. Um, we think about privacy always and yep. and security and keeping that in mind. And it'll go to 
specific places of your house that you train it to. So you kind of have to map that out. Got it. And then ultimately come back to its nest. So can it go outside? Um, right now we're not, uh, we're not building it to go outside. I think it's, uh, it's one where it's not an actual like design drone to go outside, but, uh, for now we're keeping it in the house and we're calling it always home cam. But, uh, yeah, so new categories, even car security. So we're starting to expand there because we're hearing a lot of times from our neighbors as well, feedback around like, I wish you guys had car security that connected with my ring app and my overall ring ecosystem. So that's really exciting as well, whether it's in your Tesla or car kind of dash cam to even just the 99% of cars that are out there, just being able to have a peace of mind around bumps or doors opening or areas where, you know, you're not feeling as safe. Uh, so that's, that's another cool category we're entering into. And also my favorite, which maybe is not everybody's favorite, but I love it is like our mailbox sensor. So imagine uh-huh. when you open your mailbox, you get a notification and, and that's also could be connected to your devices, whether your camera turns on in a specific area where your mailbox may be, or your Alexa Echo Show 5 also is all integrated as well. So that turns on, you can watch it and say, Hey, Alexa, show me my front door, show me my mailbox, whatever the case may be. And it's one where you can, again, see and and review and just make sure that you have a a total sense of mind. And I would say also kind of to add to that, we also have, you know, our subscription plans as well, which you can view, record, share out, and also do professional monitoring. So I think that's a really big benefit. And we've heard countless stories. And I also have my own use cases as well, where neighbors are feeling so thankful that they had their alarm on at home so that they weren't going to show up when the burglar shows up or they were able to record a specific event that leads to finding somebody or something or whatever the case may be. There's countless stories that you could find and even hear about, I'm sure, when you talk to your friends and neighbors yep. that do have some of our products that really uh, really speak to the, the power of the brand and products and just the services that we provide. And then we also have our neighbors apps, which is great as well. And that also lives within the ecosystem of being able to connect with your neighbors and understanding who they are and any notifications or alerts around the community and even also partnering with those in your community, especially in a time like this. So I, I love the brand. I love the products, but I also love that it lives within this ecosystem that connects us to each other and gives us a peace of mind like never before. Yeah. Uh, so that was actually a perfect point where I wanted to kind of touch on the neighbors piece to it, because I think it's brilliant from like a UGC perspective of your neighbors are kind of generating this content that you don't even know them. I mean, I am kind of addicted to watching what's happening to my neighbors. Like the other day that some dude was trying to break into their like storage locker, someone's bike got stolen. Like I sit there and I will watch the video and see if I know the person. Obviously, I never do. But it's really good from like a content generation perspective. I mean, you could, I see you guys are using some of those videos on your website, which is very fun. And then also from like, like you said, a community building perspective. So I want to hear a bit more about like how you guys are pursuing that UGC perspective. Is it mainly just for security or do you see a like community building aspect and actually turning into kind of a social network is how it feels to me. Yeah, I think it's just, it ladders back up to our mission, making a neighborhood safer. And it's one where it plays a role there. So whether it's like public announcements around COVID to fires in your in your area or different ways to have safety preparations around different use cases. Yeah, so it's I think it's a combination of trying to serve solutions for specific needs or things that may come up that we want to make sure that we are prepared for and also just connecting us with our neighbors. And as people are home more than ever, whether it's working or school from home or shopping at home, like it's one where our neighbors are, are critical for connection and also a peace of mind and watching out for each other. So I would say that uh, the neighbor app 
definitely is, is a point of connection and also sharing relevant and, and pertinent information that can help to make neighbor, neighborhoods safer. So what's the craziest video you've ever seen or got submitted? <laughs> like it's gotta be like real crazy. <laughs> I think the, the fun ones for me are like around animals. Like when a bear comes and just like starts to get on top of a car and wants to get in there to eat some food. Um, you know, where I live, uh, there are a lot of coyotes. So I do get mm-hmm. a lot of neighborhood posts and notifications that there's a coyote roaming around early in the morning and they're all yeah. in these different pockets and areas and just make sure I'm not jogging or walking that area during that early time in the morning. <laughs> That's great. I've, uh, I've also seen like little neighborhood tiffs break out on my app anyways, where neighbors will argue about like whether it was real or not. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's pretty entertaining though. Like I said, it feels like a social network sometimes. <laughs> It does. I mean, it just shows you the reality of what people have to deal with and navigate every day. You know, I think if anything, it's like making neighborhoods safer. That's that's important to everybody. You know, we all I have a family, I have kids and and especially as everybody's home more. It's like, how do do we help each other? How do we uh, make sure that we can create a community that is in support of each other and ultimately safer neighborhoods? So that if I find that to be really powerful and it's one where like I'll do everything in my power and I'm sure my neighbors will to help each other out during these times. So maybe uh, let's touch on the subscription model a little bit. So a lot of people right now are interested, of course, in subscriptions. Everyone is thinking about trying it if it's right for their business. Tell me how you guys are exploring it and maybe any hiccups you've experienced and things that you pivoted or changed, anything that other people could learn from. Today, we have two different subscription programs. And I think as we continue to expand and various categories, you know, we're constantly thinking about how do we offer a similar experience and that peace of mind so that you can access and even store. Um, So thinking about, you know, the car category, uh, I'm sure they're thinking through what that could look like as well there. And uh, as we expand our categories and services, subscription will definitely be top of mind as part of the services that we'll look to offer. Yep. How how do you position it in a way that a customer will sign up for a subscription before something bad happens. Because I know I've experienced this before I had Ring. I had a bunch of Nest cameras and I didn't feel the need to store things really until one day when I was like, oh, I actually wish I would have, you know, have access to that. So how do you position maybe the language or the cell to actually get someone to sign up for that subscription before there's a catastrophe? Sure. I mean, the the, the benefit is like when you buy a device and you activate it, you'll get 30 days of free call it subscription, this is the basic plan. Mm-hmm. And then you get the choice after that to opt in or opt up to a plus plan. So it's one where we try and make it as user friendly and like in the control of the user ultimately to make that decision. I would say also that the benefit of, of the ring subscription plan is that you're not locked into some contract. So yeah. you get to basically opt in and opt out in any time of the month. Again, we're trying to create flexibility and user control ultimately versus locking them into an annual account where you pay hundreds of hundreds of dollars, uh, but you're frustrated because you're not be- being able to use it and use it in a way that's easy and intuitive and also beneficial for you know, your needs. Yeah. And are you guys, like during that trial period, the one thing that I oftentimes see happening is that a user isn't interacting with the services until they're done. And then they're like, oh, I never got a chance to try it. Like, are there certain um, methods that you're trying to get the user to interact and learn and like figure out the platform to see the benefits of it before those 30 days are done? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's really uh, the efforts around, you know, different marketing levers that we're trying to deploy uh, to make sure that they see the benefit of turning it on and uh, the different features available and whether it's a nudge here or a 
email there or different types of messaging uh, that we're trying to make sure that they are not only purchasing the device, but they're utilizing it in its full capacity. Yep, got it. So for your guys' website specifically, tell me a little bit about how you guys think about selling on there. Like, are you selling mostly on desktop and how are you finding customers? Like, how are you bringing them, them in? What does that process look like? Sure, sure. So obviously you have kind of direct where they're showing up. And I think Ring today is a very prominent brand or at least top of mind uh, brand that has awareness, especially you know, in a category that our founder created, the video doorbell. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously there's other folks that are in this space, but I would say Ring is to me would be top. I mean, that's the first thing I think about is Ring. Uh, when I think about home security and starting at the doorbell and being across different parts inside and outside of your house, for example. Uh, but I would say, yeah, it starts with uh, direct. Also, there's a lot of uh, obviously acquisition efforts to try and uh, be on top of mind in terms of whether it's people searching for our products uh, to different types of campaigns to drive traffic to our site, whether they're social related. UGC, like you said, we do a lot of social care types of activities to make sure that when people are, whether it's responding to different posts or things like that, we'll point them to solutions that are being offered on our e-com site. And then mm-hmm. as they come to the site, you know, we want to make it as easy and seamless. I think this is the goal of every e-commerce company as your portfolio grows. Like, how do you make sure that you can train, not train, sorry, that's probably the wrong word. It's more around how do you help them find what they need? That's yep. an easy question to ask, but a hard question to answer. I think what's different today is that a lot of companies are always trying to attach, you know, attach this or grow market basket. It's all about increasing AOV and those, those are all important. But to me, I think what's most important is that you're not just trying to upsell, but you're really trying to deliver on a solution. So meaning like having a camera at your front door, for example, or video doorbell at your front door, like that might be good for the first three months. And then you may move to a bigger house and you'll need, for example, a floodlight cam like you have so that you feel a greater peace of mind that surrounds your house. So you have this whole sort of home solution security solution that you could uh, leverage and apply across different parts of your home as you continue to evolve and potentially move or you want to just expand. So it's one where we're, we're thinking about how do we recommend the right products for you? How do we surface the right uh, recommendations for you? How do we make help you differentiate which doorbell to buy? Because we do have quite a number of doorbells now. What's right for you basically based on your use case or even the alarm? How big is your house? You know, And we have a quiz on our alarm page, for example, that people engage with that they want to know, like, this is my square footage. This is how many windows I have. This is how many doors I have. And how do we make sure that we get them to a place where we offer up a package solution that they can feel confident about and then purchase and ultimately experience uh, the, uh, the peace of mind that they were looking for. Got it. Yeah. So to talk a little bit more, a little bit more on Ring before we move into general e-commerce, I want to hear how you guys are staying ahead of the competition because there are other, you know, security companies out there? Like, how do you really show that you're the best? Yeah, I mean, I can't really uh, speak on like the competition. Uh, and I would say that, you know, our, our priority is to constantly push ourselves to empower users with affordable, effective ways to monitor and secure their homes. So kind of back to the safer, na- making neighborhoods safer, like everything ladders up to that. And like, I think about companies that offer, you know, a product or a specific service. And it's just like that one thing. And it's like, and they're all about just selling that product. Like I think of the mental model and the approach that we have is quite different at Ring, which I love and I, I totally respect. It's one where like we're constantly thinking about the mission. So everything ladders up to that mission. So whether it's 
a new product, whether it's a new service, whether it's a new feature on the site, or whether it's a new experience that we want to deliver that's kind of outside, thinking outside the box. So we're constantly trying to think outside the box so that we can deliver upon that mission. That's the way that I would kind of frame it up for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's different than just looking at the competition and saying, what are they doing? What? I'm sure we can learn a lot, but it's one where we're really focused on our customers and working backwards from them and ultimately inventing and delivering effective, affordable, easy to use products. So, and all, yeah. all in pursuit of making our, uh, delivering our mission. Cool. Yeah. And I'm sure you guys get a lot of customer feedback. Do you implement that as you hear what customers are looking for? Like, does that have an influence on maybe products or the subscription model or the app or anything? Yes, we do get a lot of customer feedback. And I think what's unique about Ring, just even in my past years, like our founder's email is on every product. Mm-hmm. And it's even on our website. So he is probably one of the most customer obsessed uh, individuals that I know. And I, I really respect that about him. And it's one where he wants to hear feedback. And we also yeah. get feedback internally uh, that we can share and, and a way for us to kind of facilitate that and, and hear it. Because ultimately, our goal is like, we want to make the customers feel safer. And whether it's buying our products, calling into our customer service line, whether it's a recommendation on, hey, I didn't know that this product was featured with your subscription plan, and you had this rich notification that comes with it, you know, like, how do we surface that up in a way that's clear and transparent on our website so that people don't have to ask a lot of questions that they can get everything they need in one place. Yeah, cool. All right. So you've been in the world of e-commerce for a while. So I think you should have a good answer to this. What does the future of online commerce look like to you? Maybe in like the next five years or so, what does that world look like? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, the reality is, it's like e-commerce and digital adoption has been accelerating rapidly. I, I hear all the time from colleagues in the industry, like, what is it, the past six months, eight months, basically, we were able to accomplish what we would have in five years. Yep. And a lot of that just based on the times. <laughs> yeah, so it's one where I agree with that. You know, it's one where obviously, you know, to lead in this sort of environment, like in, in any, any environment, we need to embrace change. But I would say overall, the digital, like an e-com future is bright. Like there's capabilities that continue to just wow me. And it could be simple things to complex things, you know, whether it's complex things like personalization and with all the millions of customers that are coming on your site, like how do you make it as frictionless and just a great experience for them to get to check out and and personalizing that experience for them based on the, who they are as a cohort to even simple things. And I see the simple things, especially in the area of like digital retailing, meaning a lot of folks aren't going to stores as much, obviously. And it's one where like they're constantly thinking about how to pivot and embrace the change. And I love recently what I saw with Target and how they were able to create this Halloween activation where they are taking select stores and they're able to convert it into like a Halloween environment and pass out some goodies and basically doing it all through the comfort of your car. So imagine mm-hmm. like Halloween's going to look very different this year. So they're able to provide something that is going to be a memory and a delightful experience for users. But at the same time, they're directing traffic back to the site to say, Hey, if you can't come to this event, maybe we're not featuring in your hometown. Like you got We got everything you need from a Halloween perspective. So I think it's one where, you can get very innovative and capabilities are there. And it's the times today have kind of forced us to, to really think bigger and to embrace the change and to pivot and be flexible and agile. And, and no idea is a bad idea. I think any idea is, is relevant just because we're trying to figure out how to address customer pain points and needs, especially as the times are, have evolved. 
Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. It's been fun seeing the levels of creativity that have come into some of these campaigns. And like you said, people now have to think on their feet and think of new ways to do things that they've never had to before. So it seems like there's a lot of opportunity coming out, not just in marketing, but just like the way of doing business in general. I agree. And I think the other thing I think there is like boomers and how they're obviously being forced to shop online. I had my yep. mother call me the other day because she was like, she doesn't shop on uh, online as much. And she was like, can I put my, my name and credit card number in there and shop? I'm like, of course. No, <laughs> so, mom. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's one where like, you know, they're not as digitally savvy, but they're being forced to, to be. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's one where how do you take sort of the traditional models today where it's like, whether it's direct mail or whether it's uh, phone calls or just the ways that are kind of comfortable with the past and deliver that uh, mixed with the, tr- the digital experience. So I'm thinking of things like virtual consultation and being able to, for example, like the doctor, like the hospitals, they, they call you now and they do a virtual consultation before coming in. And it's one where like, how do you kind of bridge the gap between folks that are coming onto the site for maybe some of, some of them the first time, but getting them comfortable in ways that can help them transition into being full, fully digitally capable. So that's, those are things I think that are exciting as well in terms of uh, kind of getting back to a mix of the past, but also the future. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is that you've got this whole new group of people who never would have been your customers, probably at least not in five years. And they're here. So now you have to adopt to that. But then I also think what's old is new. I mean, I've had quite a few people talk about direct mail. And I think they have done some surveys of, you know, younger individuals who say like they love direct mail because they're not used to it. And it feels very personal. And it's fun to get something in the mail. And I feel like maybe older generations would be like, what? That's like normal. I'm used to getting catalogs. I'm used to that stuff. But maybe bringing that back might be a way of the future is that like, it's a more personal thing than maybe everything digital all day. No, I agree. I mean, I think some folks, especially parents are probably limiting screen time for kids these yeah. days. And maybe, you know, there's some fatigue that behind that, even for uh, the, the younger generation, but it's one where I think companies are, are being forced to really think outside the box and uh, direct mail may be the way to go for certain categories. And I just think about what Amazon has been doing. And I was in the toy business before and like it, everything was digital, whether it was a holiday toy book and like, you know, when, when Toys R Us and even the toy industry was disrupted with Toys R Us going bankrupt and that business model being gone from the, uh, the environment, it's one where like Toys R Us started, or sorry, Amazon started doing physical holiday toy books along mm-hmm. with the digital experience. And they're trying to make it as they want to have a physical touch to the toy book because, you know, kids like writing down what they want for Christmas and they want to yep. flip through the pages. And at the same time, Amazon has like a PDF toy book where you click on an item and then it takes you directly to the PDP and you can purchase and add your products there. So I just love seeing how, how things continue to evolve over the years based on the shifting of consumer demands and also it's kind of staying true to what the, the patterns are in terms of behaviors around people using toy books and still wanting the physical touch and also providing it digitally so that you can transact and get it in your house, hopefully in two days or one to two days. Yep. Yeah, completely agree. All right. Let's jump over to the lightning round brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I'm going to ask you a question and you have a minute or so to answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. The first one, what one thing will have the biggest impact on e-commerce in the next year? I would say the supply. And what I mean by that is seasonal, like we're always going to have Christmas holiday, which is very big for respective categories, but it's one where the demand has shifted throughout the years based on people or companies being able to pivot and offer up, for example, Black Friday in, in October, for example, and starting early and trying to manage the 
the, the flow of traffic to the stores and, and be cognizant of that. So I would say uh, supply. And the second one, just to add to that, is like contactless and touchless experiences. I think that'll disrupt the e-com industry. Mm-hmm. Yep, completely agree. What do you not understand today that you wish you did? And it can be in e-commerce or at Ring, whatever comes to, to mind. Yeah, there's a lot of things <laughs> as part of that list. You know, I think... Uh, uh, you know, I think we're all a work in progress in terms of learning and growing. And uh, I have a ton to continue to learn and build on. So I don't think there's one particular thing I can put put my finger on on that question. All right. What's up next on your Netflix queue? It's my Netflix is kind of controlled by my my kids. So the next one is the octopus teacher. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sounds intriguing. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, if you were to have a podcast, what would it be about? And who would your first guest be? You know, I value leadership and I have mentors uh, across different areas that I reach out to. So I, I, to me, I love leadership because companies are about people and not profit. In my opinion, this is why I love Ring. And it's one where leadership is really what helps you to emerge and helps you to navigate uh, whether it's crazy times or great times. And, and I think that's what kind of holds true and keeps you grounded and successful. Cool. Love that. And the last one, what piece of tech are you playing around with right now that you're loving? It can be just personally or it can be, you know, e-commerce tools that you're trying out or having success with. Yeah, I would say that one that I'm kind of being forced to use nowadays is chatbots <laughs> just because <laughs> yeah. of the inability to connect with uh, the customer service agents at different companies. But yeah. uh, I mean, some of that is obviously trying to drive efficiency and automation, but it's one where it is pretty fascinating in terms of being able to try and address your question or your uh, request, for example, into chatbots and then having this AI kind of back machine powered uh, on the back end to try and answer and address solutions. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Some people prefer just a person on the other side of the phone. But I think the, the chatbots and sort of that, that area in terms of automation is something that I've been looking at and uh, that's been pretty fascinating, but also at the same time thinking through uh, what, what does somebody really need? Do they want to just call the customer or call the, the customer service line? That's that's even great as well. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting area. I think I was just reading uh, a research report that was talking about how most consumers would prefer a chatbot if nothing. Like if that's if it's no chatbot or having one, they want one, but then also making sure that you get it right, where I feel like there's definitely still room to grow to make sure you can at least answer a few questions, especially if they keep coming up. And then if not, okay, go to a human or call or something. So that is an interesting area. All right, Robin. Well, thanks for joining the show today. Where can people find out more about you and Ring? Yeah, so you can look me up on LinkedIn and you can go to our website, ring.com. All right, awesome. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Up Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud and created by the team at mission.org. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. 
If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.